Father, I worship you. If there's ever a time in my life that I truly wanted to get out of your way, in a good way, to get out of your way and let you come, let you come in your fullness. Let you come in the kingdom of God. Lord, we're fighting. You've assigned us this temporary fight for our nation. But we go back to our number one call always is this spiritual kingdom. This was the kingdom that you left. When you were challenged, when you were challenged by those in authority, you told them that your kingdom was not of this world. If your kingdom was of this world, then would your servants come, your angels would have come and fought for you. But Lord, you laid that privilege down for the establishment of all truth and righteousness. And Lord, one day all of this is all going to be over. We're going to stand in eternity in that kingdom where all things are made new. Help us to navigate through these times. Only the Holy Ghost give us, gives us the navigation. But the kingdom that we live in and the eternity of it supersedes all of these kingdoms here and every transgression or every transition rather of all of mankind's power this kingdom supersedes guide us in this hour lord in jesus name thank you lord philippians chapter three we're just going to share a little bit tonight because <clears throat> it's good to get into the word let it wash over us. Not even having to think about anything else but the intimacy. Now this is where we're going. I'll, I, I just said that we're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read through maybe the whole chapter. I hope you're watching at home. I hope you've got your Bible out. I hope you've maybe you've got your smart device out. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. I'll just tell you this. What I'm after is in the heart of this chapter. I've got to read the beginning of it to get to it. But it's over in the middle part of this chapter, and it's all intimacy. Because the, the call of the hour is intimacy. That's the call to the church. He's wanting us to come apart, to come into him. There's avenues into that. Praying in tongues is one of them. Worship. Just sitting there in his presence. But his call for our assignment, I believe this. I don't think it's just a personal call for me right now. I believe that I'm echoing God's heart to the body of Christ, to those who are watching, to, to everybody in here. It's come into me. Come inside my pavilion. There's safety in here. There's life in here. There's provision in here. And there's our assignments in there. But I'm not even talking about our assignment tonight. I'm talking about our, our place of intimacy. Our place in Him. 
every once in a while I get emails like you do from canvassing or not canvassing but just mass emails to from local churches and one of them I got this past week was a actually I got a couple but one of them was from a big church in Naples and I you know I bet I just love everybody there and I bet I would love the, the pastor that I, I don't know and um but they were advertising a, some a speaker that was coming in and I'm bringing this up because this is kind of the way things are done in church now. And uh, they were advertising, and it was a great advertisement because, I mean, it it's kind of just makes you excited. Handsome young man, um, you know, just really nice-looking guy, and had a had a, a long list of stuff that he had accomplished. And he travels like tens of thousands of miles every year. I'm just really busy, but here's my point. The advertisement was this, come in here, and this is not verbatim, come in here, this, he, he was from a singing family, and I remember the singing family, great, great singers. Come in here, this inspirational, motivational, story, fantastic storyteller. He will, you'll leave inspired, you'll leave motivated Here's my problem, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not called to inspire you. There's nothing in the Word. I'm not supposed to... Encouragement is a different... I'm not called to motivate you. David said, is there not a cause? Why are you sitting on this? Why are you not out there fighting that giant? Is there not a cause? The body of Christ wants, and there I got another one a couple days later, and it was the same thing, different words. This person will motivate you. See, what we've got mostly in the church is motivational speakers. And I know maybe not everybody's got our call, but when in, in the Lord's name, in our beautiful Lord's name, when... Is there going to be advertisements that says, come and hear this man who walks and talks like Jesus and whose signs and wonders follow him as he teaches you how to go into the fullness of everything that you have been born again to fulfill? I'm not... The, the ministry, when I say not me, it's not me even personally. I'm not talking about what my specific uh, calling is. I'm telling you what every preacher that stands behind a pulpit like this, he's not called to inspire the body of Christ. He's not called to motivate the body of Christ. He's called to teach Christ to them. And that's the cause, the kingdom of God, just what he's done for us. What he has done for us is motivation enough. The born-again experience that we've been set free from sin and the power of the Holy Ghost. The church wants to, the church, much of the church goes in and hears, and I bet you, I bet you if I sat in that crowd, I, I bet you that he would say some zinger, he would give some zingers and he would give some points and he'd tell some stories that would maybe make my emotions cry. And I don't know this guy. Maybe, maybe he's 
beyond what the advertisement was. Maybe, and I'm not, there's, there's no way that you know who I'm talking about. I can't even remember his name now, really, the full name. So I'm, not pick, I'm talking about where the body of Christ is at. But this, this chapter identifies, if there's any chapter in the Word that I feel identifies Paul's heart of all the epistles that he wrote, I think this is one of them. I think this is really one of the major ones. And look at verse 1 with me. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I think that's a good thing for us to do during this season right now. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Now remember, I'll remind you that he wrote this uh, incarcerated, this book. It's called the Book of Joy or the Book of you know, Rejoicing to the Church. But he wrote it in, in incarceration. Beware of dogs. And he's not f- talking about physical dogs. He's talking about the Judaizers or those that were trying to get the church to go back into the law. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Beware of the circumcision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, <clears throat> To him, that meant something that what we'll say our flesh. To him, the flesh meant he had no confidence in his legal standing under the law. That wasn't his confidence. That's what he was saying. When I was in the flesh or when I was Paul of old, I thought that I had a legal standing to approach God because I kept the law or I kept it you know, as, as much as he could. Nobody could keep the law, but as far as in ceremonial things and in doing everything he was supposed to do Paul was you know as close as you could get to perfection he said I had no confidence and have no confidence in the flesh though I might have confidence in the flesh and he spells this out so you know what he's talking about if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I more and then he goes into this Jewish thing that really at one time, I'm sure he very much prized. It was like going through school. It'd be like going through high school and then college and getting your Ph.D. I mean, you worked hard on this. He says this, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Now, he's kind of giving a pedigree here. The, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. He gives right on down his pedigree of you know, what he... You know, what his credentials was. That's what he's saying. Concerning zeal, how, how much I was, how zealous I was for the law, there was no question. He said, persecuting the church and touching the righteousness which is in the law, he's blameless. He didn't say the righteousness which is of Christ because all men stood guilty. But touching the righteousness which was of the law, he was blameless. Not that he didn't have sin, a sin nature, but that he did all of the ceremonial things. He kept all the Passovers. He kept all the feasts. He did all the sacrificing. He, did, he lit every candle he was supposed to. He did every little jot and tittle according to the law. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. All that pedigree, all of that credentials, everything I, I counted loss. Yes, and doubtless I count the loss uh, for the, I count it loss. I count all things 
but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And we'll find out in just a moment in a couple more verses. He's not talking just about the knowledge of head knowledge. All the things that you could quote or say about who Christ is. It's far deeper than that. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Well, we know that you did, Paul, because you eventually um, gave your life at 65, 66 years old. Young man, in that sense of the word. And I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He used a very powerful word there. The word dung is the word poop. <laughs> now there's some really, you know, everybody knows that bad word that we can't we shouldn't say it at any time especially not in church but he was very he is saying all of everything that i ever trusted in compared to christ and the knowledge of christ and walking in him is dung this is this is what he's saying it's absolutely it's manure it it, it has no value compared to christ now this is the verse no, it's 10 that I'm after, but let's read 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And, and of course, he's describing the born-again experience. He's describing that. Verse 10 is, I would say, is the cruxable. It is the... It is, to me, uh, I find, I, I, don't, I would call this the four pillars of Philippians 3.10. The four pillars in the sense of what Christ meant to Paul and the epitaph of his life. You say epitaph, isn't that something you write on a tombstone about somebody that coins their life? That's exactly right that's the definition normally and Paul carried though with him I would say this Paul carried an epitaph or a gravestone with him in this in this life while he was still alive because the inscription that he he inscribes in verse 10 where he was at and I can tell you this I certainly, I, I've got a, Paul says in a, in a moment, I haven't arrived. Boy, I've got to amen that and say, Paul, I'm not even up, I'm not even, I'm in the, I'm in, compared to you, I may, I'm in the back of the bus. I'm on the bus, but I don't know, I'm, I'm several seat, seats behind you. But I can tell you this, this I can tell you, that this is where Bronk Flynn is at. This is the world that I live in. This is the place that I'm at in my relationship with Jesus right now and it's been for a long time. When he says this in verse 10, that I may know him. That's the first thing. I'd say that's the first pillar. When, I, when we read this, it's going to sound like some of these are crossovers are very close to each other. They are. But there are also certain nuances in these that describe a different 
part of what Paul is trying to say about his spiritual experience when he says, the, and he lists this, and I believe it's in chronological order in this sense of the word, my number one place in Paul's life, and I'm, I'm preaching Paul to you because I'm identifying with Paul, and I'm saying I believe that many of you and many of you that are watching are also identifying with Paul, male or female, that this is where you're at or this is what you're aspiring to or you're saying, Lord, please take me this. Number one, that I may know him. And that knowing him is an intimacy, not of head knowledge, but it is an intimacy in having a fellowship with him to be transformed into everything that he is. I went back to the Greek this week because I thought I knew it, but I wanted to make sure so I didn't tell you something. And sure enough, um, it's right there. I mean, I read it again, and I meant to bring, you know, the, the Greek. I'm not, that doesn't impress you. I'll just tell you what it says. Part of the Greek there definitely identifies, and, it, and I'll just break it down and not uh, try to say everything that it said, but it, literally, this is, what it's tell, this is what it's saying. It is the same meaning as a man with his wife. The same meaning. And what he is saying there, and there was other parts of it, but what he is saying there, I want to know Christ in an intimacy. Some of you heard me say the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I wasn't trying to be cute, and I, d I don't think anybody thought I was, but I'm just telling you the experiences that I'm having with him, and he's introduced this to my life, is that when I'm in those early morning prayers, he's sitting right there right on the couch, just eight feet away or whatever, six feet away. I don't know how far it is. You say, well, Jesus, you Je yeah, Jesus. Because through the person, the Holy Spirit, he's, he can be any place. And the Holy Spirit's there. And a literal sense of God being in there, Christ being in there, and as I pour my heart out, what, I'm telling you this because I believe it inspires you, but I'm giving you word. This is Paul's heart, and I believe it's your heart. And when I'm talking to him, uh, later I'll go into the word, okay? And the, the word is vital. But as I'm sitting there and he's conversing and he's speaking to me at times, and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and then I'll stop out of the Holy Ghost, and then I'll talk to him, just like he's, see, he wants, he wants you to believe that he's real. Not somebody up there, he wants, see, he's in here. He's really in here. He's really in here. And he's in your home where you'll let him, and if you'll treat him like he's real, it's, un, I start to say it's unbelievable, it's not a good term necessary. It's incredible how real he'll get and how he'll communicate with you. But I don't talk to him about revival. I don't talk to him about miracles. I don't talk to him about uh, our church being well known and be like, you know, a lot of people finding out about it. I find that in those hours, in this first thing, that 
I just keep telling him, I just want to, I want to, I want to be you. I want you to be me. I want, I want to know you like you want to be known. Tell me to hush and be quiet when I need to or keep talking and keep praying. Whatever, whatever you want, Lord. Lord, because the first thing is I want Christ in me more than anything else. I want that image. I, he's bringing up an image in Galatians right now. Listen to what he said in Galatians. You know this. Verse 20, chapter 2, he said, I'm crucified. This is Paul saying, man, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, it's not me, but Christ liveth in me. In other words, if you see Paul, you see Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, that's where we're all supposed to be. And I believe the, those who have the heart of God, the number one call, what will get, what will get you miracles what will get you uh, a big church? What will get you all the... But I don't even approach it. See, I know those things will take place as an indirect. But I have no desire for those things to be my first focus. I don't even want miracles to be my fo first focus. I want to know Him. I want to be filled with the intimacy of knowing Him. Then Paul said this, he said, now you can say, well, no, but I, I can see, I myself can see the, these four different pillars here. First, he says, I want to know him. And you could put no, just like he said, I want to know him. You could put that preface in it. And I want to know this too. I want to know what? And I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection the power of his resurrection now what do we what do we what does that mean well when he arose he had defeated all of the enemy but what he defeated the enemy in above all things was that he destroyed the enmity that separated man from God, which was the dead nature. His life of a pure son going into the grave and dying under the penalty and becoming sin and suffering there, the power of him coming to life, not just physically, but coming to a reborn life, opens a, a door into humanity all humanity now to anyone that ever trusts in him the power of his resurrection is freedom from sin it's freedom anybody that trusts in him is free from sin and paul is saying the and the cousins all the cousins i would say the the hookups to that is the miracles it's the blind eyes, and it's the deaf ears, and it's, it's the power of his resurrection. The Bible says that even when he arose from the dead, 
that many uh, of the old saints come out of the grave because he was another lesson. He was ascending on high. Ephesians 4.11, when he ascended up and he took all of those Old Testament saints and some of them were seen in the streets of Jerusalem during that time. But I don't want to get off track this was his number one thing, as I said, to know him. The second one was in the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know him in, Lord, I want to walk. Paul wants to walk with a continual understanding that Paul is always free from sin. That's the power of your resurrection. And Paul always has the ability through Christ to exercise this power of resurrection on anyone that he comes into contact with. I want to know you, but I want to know you, Lord, in the power of your resurrection. First, I've been born again. I'm free from sin. I never have to become the sinner that I once was. Never go back to it. <laughs> the next thing he says is, and I said these are all close, but there are certain nuances and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. Peter says this, he said, He who has ceased from sin has suffered in the flesh. Paul identified and said in this, I want, you know, Paul wasn't, at, he wasn't saying I want to, I want to go get, you know, uh, physically rocks thrown at me physically stoned to death beaten all the time but he was saying this uh you're in philippians if you just kind of look across the page at least it, for me it is he says this in chapter two um let this mind be in you which was also in christ this is what he's saying here when he's talking about the fellowship of his sufferings who being in the form of god thought it was not robbery to be equal with god but made of himself no reputation. Jesus made himself no re reputation, but took upon him the form of a slave. It says servant, but it's, it's the doulos. The slave and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We've rehearsed this time and time again. It deserves being repeated. The even... The death of the cross, that preposition of, that's the end. For Christ, that was the end. But he continually lived in death. Not a death nature, not in depression, but a continual willing himself over as a doulos. A continual place of saying, Lord, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. This is the fellowship of your suffering. This is the part of my life that I give myself to you as a servant, as a willful, I, I'm, I'm yielding to you. Paul, can, there's a couple of places. He, he, he starts out his epistles, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or other places, Paul, the apostle. But sometimes it's Paul, the, the prisoner. I am a prisoner of his love. Why? Because first, I've fallen in love with him. And when you fall in love with him then it's only natural that you 
seek to die. Uh, see, this is crazy for people that are listening, you know, when they don't understand. We're saying, if you, we're not talking about physically hurting yourself or dying in some, by some disease. We're talking about willfully giving yourself over to a dying process which entails this, my life is not my own. Now, I don't have to live a bad life or a life of, of poverty, or, or it, but my choices are yours, Lord. And prior to that, he said, uh, when he said the power of his resurrection, his choice to serve him without sin, without disgrace to the gospel. And then he says, being made conformable, the, the last one, I, I, to me, to me, I put this, one, I want to know you. Two, I want to know the power of your resurrection. And, because you see these ands, sort of the conjunctions here, and the fellowship of your suffering. The last one, being made conformable unto your death. It's very close, but he goes on to describe here, when he says being made conformable to your death, he's not saying the conformability to your physical death, although he did die as a martyr, he's saying, I want to continually walk in a place where I die. I die to my own rights. If there's, if there's an argument to be had or if there's something to address, I'll stand up for the word, but I'll take second place for the miracles to work in my life. He spells this out as we continue to read. He says this, if by any means, any way possible is what he's saying. If there's any possibility, by any means, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now that is, I can tell you, I've studied this extensively. I've many times. And I can tell you, you can, please go study it yourself. But I promise you, out of the Greek, it is not talking about the resurrection as in um, the rapture. It's not talking about that. He's talking about a, a, a continual, as he lived, uh, I expressed it one time as, and I can't remember, I don't know that the Greek actually says it this way, but it is kind of like, it means an out, I want to be living out of a resurrected, uh, 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 as a resurrection kind of life, as one that is continually coming out of the dead. That's, I want to perpetuate that kind. He says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. In other words, I've just said I want to be a dead man. But simultaneously, I want to walk like a man that has just come, come from the dead. Not physically, but spiritually. Listen, folks, when people in this world start seeing people in the church that have come out of a prayer closet in their life and they have went in there and died to self so strong, the glory on those people, the anointing, you're not even going to have to preach hardly and you don't have to even give your own testimony. They will feel that. You could feel it when you're around Kenneth Hagin. You could feel it when you're around Smith Wigglesworth. These guys went to that place and they kept dying and dying and dying. Is it worth it? My God, it's what our life is. 
It's what our life is. Now, I'll, I'm not trying to scare anybody off, because listen, wherever you're at, as long as you're obedient, you're going to be fully rewarded. You may not be able to pray as much as myself, and you might be praying more. I don't know. It's not numbers, but it is time, and you better understand that. It is time, but it's time spent in him. Jim Martin is recently, I've heard him say it several times, and he just bold-faced says it, but he's been teaching it several months. He's asking all his people to pray in tongues at least three hours a day. But he's taught them, um, and we've said this a lot, but he's taught them, you can do this because you can do it as you're working. You can do it. He's even broke it down. If you're going to watch TV, you can sit there and watch it. You can easily put in three hours a day in tongues. Easily, really, if you learn it. Some people say, oh, that just, I can't, I can't take that. That's to, my listen, I'm not getting on you. I'm just saying it's because of your mindset. You can put those hours in. You can put those hours in. <sighs> he says, I want, if by any means, any way, I, I'm fighting for this. You can see this in his writings. By any means that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. In other words, when I come out of this, see, this is Joel's army. Joel's army is going to be an anointed army. There's still going to be generals. You'll never take away the five-fold ministry. But it is going to be by people that have spent time. If you think, and I don't think you do, but let's say people that would think. If you think this stuff is just laying on top of the ground and it's just you can just stumble over it. When you look at somebody... If you say, Pastor Bronk, I want to be like you, or I want to, maybe, maybe, I should, maybe I should change that one, because that might not be nearly high enough for you. And, I, and, and I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just saying I'm, I'm not the high water mark. Um, but whoever spiritually, I mean, if they're truly not a motivational speaker and not somebody that can just hype somebody up, but if they're truly going to a place where they know him, and then signs and wonders are going to follow because of that intimate relationship, I can promise you this. Now, I'm, this I know. This I know. If you say, I want to be like that person, I can tell you this, and you probably already know it for anybody that wants that route. It comes with a cost. It's not, it, your salvation's free, but that place, Catherine Kuhlman said, I have died a thousand deaths. Everybody said she was very dramatic, but she really loved God. And she had some of the most incredible. I have died a thousand deaths. It, it is a place. If somebody says, because a lot of times you'll have newbies, they'll say, I want that. Well, do you? It comes with a cost. What's the cost? Dying the death. And dying the death doesn't come except by spending time in his presence. You can't catch this. Here, I'm not trying to be. You can't catch this, what he's talking about, like a virus. It's not like COVID. You can't catch it. I don't know anybody that likes, tries to catch a virus, but you can catch a virus not even wanting it. You got to want this. This is not, this is not diamonds 
on top of the ground. This is diamonds dug for. And I'm not talking about works of the flesh. I'm talking about works of the spirit where you have to go into the spirit realm and spend that time. Somebody said, I want to be like him. Do you? Once you find out that there's a price to be paid, a lot of people say, well, I, I didn't know it was going to cost that. I just kind of wanted to live my own life and have the power. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. But I'm talking to, I believe and I hope, revivalist. I heard Gary Carpenter say something this week, and people that don't understand it would be like, really? What are you, what are you saying? He said, if, and he, this is what, this is what Paul's talking about when he said this, and it is not verbatim, but he said, if I can't have this, the fullness, I just, real, I'm, I'm going to quit the ministry. I'm just going to quit. I'll quit. Why, why would you say, because melancholy, the, the church as it's been, it's pitiful. We've been left something here that's way beyond where we've ever walked. And it's not condemnation that's getting us there. I'm not, I'm not preaching this out of my own self-condemnation, and I'm not trying to put on you something. I'm just saying that what Paul saw here, and he said, I've, I've, this, is, this is Paul's life. Paul's life is this, when he's writing to the Philippian church, what I want to know, I want to know him. I want to know him. I don't want to know. See, we're all about revival, but revival's, revival's second to me. Miracles are second to me. It's first knowing him, but out of knowing him, out of knowing him, if they did it, we can do it too. You're getting anything? I am. I'm, I am. And I believe it's truth because I got it right here in black and white in the King James Version. Not, he said, that I had already attained. Well, I appreciate that part, Paul. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after if that I might apprehend that for which I'm apprehended of Christ. In other words, Christ apprehended Paul. Well, we know where that was at. The first encounter was the road to Damascus. He got his first, that's when he's apprehended. But he didn't love Christ then on the introduction like he's identifying here in Philippians. In those years between his falling off his high horse and his writing, he had fallen in love with the man. He had fallen in love with the Savior. He was going to give his life for him. And he, sometimes he did not have support. I don't want to get political because I've stayed away from it the whole evening. But we pray for our dear president. He probably feels like, and he knows millions of people and love him, but some of his closest comrades. But, but here's the thing, and I'm not saying he's even in the ballpark with Paul, but Paul had the same thing there were times where he'd have a whole bunch of people around him supporting him and then he by his own epistles he would write this guy left me this guy left me this guy left me what kept Paul from not leaving I'll tell you he knew him he knew him 
and he knew him in the power of his resurrection. He knew him in, Paul, I'm free from sin. I'm free from, I'm free from all these things. The power of the new nature has set me free. And I know that because I spend time with him, is what Paul was saying. He said this, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that which I've, I'm, that I may apprehend. What was, what, what was he trying to apprehend? He wasn't trying to apprehend revival. Now this in the message is nowhere near against revival. But he, wasn't at, he was wanting to apprehend the call to be conformed into the fullness of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then everything else comes underneath that. I mean, then you have everything. Everything comes underneath. That's what our Savior walked in. He walked as an obedient son. And when, see, when your obedience is in full place, the miracles, you know, he, honestly, I do not believe Christ ever thought about exercising his faith like we try to exercise our faith. I think it just flowed like water to him because he was the full obedience to God. He says this, I'm reaching forth into those things which are before. I press towards the mark. And this is a good word. We've taught on it before. You can just have a whole service on this. And it really is because it's straight up. It's straight up. It, you don't have to find it. You know, some Greek definitions are like A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. And then you can catch some of them. You can prove a point by the third definition, which is good. But the straight-up definition of press is the word persecute. It's the same word. And he was saying, I persecute towards the mark. Now, what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about he's being mean to anybody anymore. He's talking about the aggressiveness in his spirit in comparison to the relationship that he shared with Christ, that he continually, if anything got in his way, from diverting him from being everything that Christ had called him to be, he treated it in the spirit, not, in the, not, not, with, not with weapons or not with a, a physical fight, but he treated the contesting. And everybody on this walk of going into Christ, see, I'm talking to you know, people that listening, if you're listening out there, you're part of a revivalist crowd. You're a remnant. And you in here are a remnant obviously but this this is your heart I'm, I'm i'm describing everybody's heart in here and everybody that's listening that paul was saying that i if whatever comes to my life that competes it starts to compete eventually you can feel it draining you it's draining your time it's draining your energy it's draining your prayer life it's starting I was trying to remember one of those quotes from Brother Tim Stemple. He was talking about, he, he says it's such love. I, I'm trying to remember it so I don't, but it was like, um, he always, he says, you know, he, he, he tries to find out what, because he walks in such a level of wisdom, what time you can give him if he asks you to do a, 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 an assignment or something. Because he said, in essence, um, he doesn't want to be the devil in your life. And basically, who is the devil in your life? Well, I'm not talking about they got a horns and a pitchfork, but who do you start? Who starts? And maybe, they're, maybe they don't even know it, 
but you're having to start spending more time to support them and hold them up. And then this time over here starts dwindling and dwindling and dwindling time spent with him. And I'm not talking about being irresponsible for your family. I'm just talking about Paul. I don't know what all those things were that he persecuted in the spirit, but it was like anything that gets in my way, if it's going to divert me from my assignment, which is now he wrote gospel, he wrote epistles, he was an apostle, but his number one call was to know the Lord. He said, let us, so thank you for including us, Paul. Thank you for bringing us into your sphere and not just talking about where you're at. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. Isn't that amazing? He called us perfect. And you are in that sense of the word through the born-again nature and being a son or daughter of God. <clears throat> Let us, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. What minded? That you also persecute anything that's in your... And I'm not trying to be... I'm not saying he... He was saying, be mean, but you have to have an aggressive spiritual attitude like, wait a minute, what's robbing my prayer time here? What's robbing my intimacy? And it may not even be a person. It may not even be an event. It may be that you just got off uh, You got off studying something else. That may, sometimes, people get off... They'll think, I'm real interested in doing that, or I'm real interested, I want to. <laughs> Homer tickled me. He always, he, he'll call me different things, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like yesterday, the day before, and he was like, oh, I'm just, he goes, I'm, I'm just all caught up today. I'm in a, another world rejoicing over the, the, uh, Mosaic, law, the, I don't know, how'd you say it, Homer? He just read the law. He's ready for revival and he just read the law, you know. Like, not that there's anything wrong with the law, but people will go into those Old Testament places. I, I, I love reading the Old Testament, but they'll go in there and they'll study that and they'll study that and they want to know all about this feast and that feast and this feast and if you got time past if you got time past your intimacy hours go for it get knowledge that's okay but you better know this to know him studying the feast and studying the law and studying all that ain't gonna get you there it ain't gonna get you there intimacy through the holy ghost praying in tongues and worship is the only way to get there. Now, if you've got time past that, go for it. Go for it. And we're reading through, some of us are reading through the Old Testament. That's great. That's, we need more word. But I'm talking about to stay in the spirit, you've got to know this. Your attacks against your intimacy is not always blatant like you, you can judge it like, oh, I can see that a mile coming. That person is asking me, you know, or my son or daughter, you know, they're, uh, I got to do this for them. And you got to do stuff for your kids sometimes. But I'm, I'm just trying to get across to you that some of the, the diversion a lot of times will be good things. Your flesh will start saying, I've always wanted to study 
the Old Testament tabernacle and what every little part meant. And, and again, I say, if you've got time after your hours of intimacy, go for it. But there's so much that keeps the body of Christ from maturing. It sa- he says this, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. In other words, if there is anything that you're not walking according to, what will get you there, he'll reveal it to you. But let me say this, he's not going to reveal it. He says, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. In other words, if you're doing what I've been describing, like spending the time in intimacy, then you've got an ironclad guarantee that in that intimacy, whatever's causing you to fail from getting there, he'll very kindly and lovingly get it over to you. But again, you're not going to catch this place that he's describing like a virus. In other words, Brother Bronk, yes, sir, uh, I had, it's amazing. I've been walking in something. I didn't, I didn't I hadn't pray, I haven't been praying. I haven't been fasting. I haven't been reading the word. And it just jumped on me. Now I can he used a word called dung in the first part, and I can tell you that's a bunch of dung right there. This don't virusly, it don't contagiously jump on you unless you do it. But if you do it and you inv- and get involved in it, and I don't know what that is. Don't, don't let your mind or Satan go to, oh, I got to, uh, it's, you know, it's 10 hours a day, six hours a day, it's five hours or four hours a day. It's, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what your, see, God wants doctors. He wants lawyers. He wants firemen. He wants, he wants people and the and all kinds, and that's part of your call, but he wants you to pray also. If you're spending more time than prayer, and you're called into all those areas, if you're spending more time in prayer than me, and I'm not saying I've, and you might be, but it might boil down to the case of two things. Either I'm not doing my job, or you're not doing yours. In other words, you're supposed to be doing what he's called you to do, but you're also so, so supposed to be praying too. And I don't know what that time is. For all of you that want this, it's going to be ever increasing. You might have started out in your life with 30 minutes a day. But if you keep going, you're going to squeeze in an hour. You're going to squeeze in a couple hours. You're going to find that place like Jim talked about where you can just pray as you're going. Has this made sense? To me it does. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, he said, whereto we have attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brothers, be followers uh, together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us as an example. In other words, this is what I've been telling you, and as brothers, as we walk together, let us do all this. And people that you see doing this, Want to be like them. Desire to be like them and follow them. Hallelujah. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ 
whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. That word belly, it doesn't mean that they, they're wanting to put a big punch on and say, that's my God, or show off how big their belly is. The word belly there is the word womb, and it means their self-desires, their self-expression. They want to be heard. They want people to hear them. They want people to hear, you know, their new revelation, or they want people to understand, you know, this, that, and the other. He said that's uh, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly, uh, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. We only got a couple more verses. We might as well finish this chapter. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. He, isn't that amazing he called it a vile body? But this, this body, as long as we live here, we're going to fight it. In certain ways, sometimes it wants to slap somebody. Sometimes it may want to have ugly thoughts. And you say, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to have that attitude. You're not going to do that. Or you're not gonna. But he says he's going to change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. I want one like his. We're going to get a glorified body. What does that look like? Well, he come out of the grave. He got a glorified body. He was able to walk through a wall, eat fish, and then walk back out of the wall and the fish, I guess, went with him because it didn't slide down the wall. I don't know, but he says he's going to change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like in his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So he's given us, and we'll stop right there, but he's given us a, he's like, at the end of this, you get a body like his. We're going to live forever. But what does a body like his look like? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I got some ideas. <laughs> what, does a, what does an eternal body, physical body look like? Well, uh, I'll say this, and this is, I'll say it nice, just so you'll have some food for thought. In an eternal body, there will be no waste. You'll need nothing for, to produce waste. And Jesus said, there will not be given, there will not be in marriage nor given in marriage. There'll be no reproduction, and so there'll be no necessity for a body that can reproduce. So what does that mean? I'm going to leave that up to you. Okay? <laughs> but we're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. Will we know what used to be male and female? Absolutely. In that sense of the word. We're going to know each other forever, but we're going to have a changed body. It's not going to want sin in any way. Hallelujah. It won't be mean to nobody. <laughs> it won't think ugly thoughts. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for intimacy and the call that you've given us. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for for the Holy Ghost and for praying in tongues. Oh, and we don't know what to do, Lord. We just pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to go down the road, pray in the Spirit, to go to sleep at night, pray in the Spirit, take a bath, pray in the Spirit, entertaining things, Lord, that are sanctified, praying in the Spirit, that our whole life is praying in tongues and giving ourselves over for the purpose of intimacy in Christ. 
Lord, we bless this group. We thank you for them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen.